0: Hola, yo soy Andrea Márquez, and this is Ladneckis Debate, a weekly political segment where we discuss issues that matter to us, like health, the economy, immigration, and more. With me again are Luis Gutierrez and Daniel Garza. Luis, Daniel, how are you today?
1: Very good, thank you. Fantastic, Andrea, thank you.
0: Great, well, it's great to have you again. And so, as a reminder, you each have one minute to answer each question. And let's do this. So a poll was released last week that found that more Latinos in Florida support Trump than they do Biden. And this is mainly due to conservative Cuban-Americans. Luis, what do you think is the Republican appeal for Latino voters?
2: Uh, Number one, the poll doesn't say that more Latinos support Trump than Biden. Actually, Biden's up 56-44. What it does indicate is that Biden isn't doing as well among Latinos, right? As Hillary Clinton did, he's not performing as well. And that is raising, that's a concern that I'm raising within the campaign and that we are taking measures to correct. So let's make sure we understand, Biden is still 10 points up among Latinos, and we are gonna take measures to make sure we communicate better. And I think that's an important story in terms of Florida that you bring it up because Trump doesn't do that well in New York or California or Illinois or in Texas where he's around 30% among Latinos. So is he doing better? Yes, you have Nicaraguans, you have Cubans, you have Colombians, Venezuelans, all of whom fled. Part of the reason, Andrea, that Puerto Rico is so conservative because we were the last colony of Spain and everybody that left the revolutions in Latin America, guess where they wound up? In Puerto Rico. Same situation is going on
1: in Florida.
0: And Daniel, what do you think is the democratic appeal for Latino voters?
1: The democratic appeal, I think that they speak uh, emotionally to, um, I think, um, the needs uh, of the community The the uh, I think also the fact that they want government to be a charitable agent to those who fall through the cracks uh, that I think legitimately uh, want to see the hand of government um, lift those, you know who, who, who may be um, less fortunate. Uh, look, I, I don't have a problem with that sentiment. I have a problem with the policies of increasing the power and the control of government over the lives of people. Uh, the, the, the fact that, that Democrats care, um, is I think is a commendable thing, but um, it's the solutions that I don't think work for the Latino community. La- Latinos are hard workers. We are capable of extraordinary things, and all we have to work on is removing the barriers that are keeping Latinos from from opportunity. Uh, you know, you were talking about uh, the, some of the numbers, Luis, across the country. Uh, my friend uh, Lily Gil, he- says that in, in seven uh, seven million uh, digital interactions. Uh, 49% were favorable to the president compared to 48 for Biden, Latinos. Yeah, I would, I would look, it's pretty clear
2: uh, that Biden is going to do well among Latinos in Pennsylvania and that Florida's an outlier. Anybody that thinks that Trump's going to get 49% of the Latino vote, well, I don't know what they're drinking, but it's been pretty heavy stuff. Um, let's be clear. Um, there is a reason that Latino, that he's doing so well among Latinos, that is Biden across the country, because you have a president that said Mexicans are murderers, rapists, they're drug dealers, and we need to build a wall and we need to get rid of them. That's what he said. Number two, he said Puerto Ricans are lazy. And what's more, he even proposed selling Puerto Rico because eh, in the end, Puerto Rico is a poor and dirty country. That's what he said. And yeah. that's what's going to be critical across this country the manner in which this president has relayed and spoken about the Latino community, a hardworking community, an industrious
1: yeah. community. Still, it's essential. Florida is elemental to the electoral map because, you know, so goes Florida, so goes the presidential election, and so go Latinos, so goes Florida. And so I think what's happened here is that the Trump campaign team has done a much better job in generating excitement in proposing solutions and legislation and policies. What I mean by excitement is that they're putting together flotillas, caravans, events that people are attending, the convocation to these events have been absolutely impressive. Um, and, and so that kind of excitement compared to, you know, Joe Biden in the basement, and when he does come out, he meets with four or five people, and all he does is fault, you know, uh, Trump for all the ills of the world. Uh, I don't think it's generating excitement. It's actually kind of boring. And it looks like he's almost advocating for the status quo as opposed to actually let's get back to some semblance of normalcy and let's supercharge the economy and let's look for that 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 answer in a vaccine as quick as possible. But yet it just seems like he wants to hold the status quo and that I think is not leadership and Latinos are responding not in favorable terms to that.
0: Last week investigative journalist Bob Woodward reported that Trump knew early on how serious COVID-19 was but downplayed its severity. He'll be releasing all of the details in his upcoming book, Rage. This has caused a lot of controversy with Democrats saying that Trump is responsible for an unnecessarily high number of infections. Daniel, do you think that's true? Is the president responsible for a rise in COVID-19 cases?
1: Uh, No, I think that actually, if you look at New York and New Jersey, they're responsible for 25% of of all the COVID cases uh, nationwide. And that was just mismanagement at the state level. Look, I I think um, there is no question that the president has had something to do with uh, and how you manage a a, a crisis uh, that that has to do with a a viral pandemic. Um, But at the end of the day, also the governors at the state level have a lot of responsibility in, in, in how they make sure that the residents are safe without absorbing too much uh, power that is not constitutional. Uh, look, I think the president has done right in, in, um, in generating from the private sector as much as possible, you know, the ventilators, the gloves, the masks, uh, imposing, I think, the guidelines by his team that he kind of, they put together, uh, the being transparent uh, by, with Dr. Fauci and Bricks and the Surgeon General when they were putting all this information out, Um, you know, this issue was evolving from day to day and it was hard to manage it. So I think what he was trying to do was to temper the panic and make sure that we have, that we were sober about the solutions that we were proposing and, and implementing.
0: Okay. And so Luis, can, can you talk to me a little bit about why you think that Bob Woodwork took so long to come out with this information?
2: I haven't the slightest idea. Sorry. I'm not in his mind. I don't know. And I think it's really irrelevant what he did and when he came out with it. I really do think it's irrelevant. What I deal with is the facts, right? I listened to the tape, Andrea. I listened to the tape. And on February the 7th, the president of the United States said that this was a mortal, huh? A mortal pandemic that we were going to have to. Those are the words he used. He said it was very difficult. And he said it was five times more deadly than the flu. Three weeks later at a press conference from the White House, he lied. He said something different than what he told Mr. Woodward on that tape that I heard. He said, don't worry about it. This is like the flu. And we have vaccines already for the flu. And we're going to get one for this one. When he knew it was five times more deadly, when he knew that this was a pandemic that was creating uh, deaths all over the world. Look, in the end, Andrea, this country, the United States of America has 25% of all the deaths. We're only 5% of the population. That's the Trump legacy.
0: Okay, and e- but even before this, reviews on how President Trump handled the pandemic have been starkly different. We've had people who have con- been condemning him and also others who have been praising him. This question goes to both of you. Do you think that COVID-19 has been politicized? Luis, we'll begin with you.
2: Uh, Absolutely, it's been politicized. Uh, We just heard the president of the United States last week with a little wink and a little nod tell the reporters we're gonna get one. Maybe we'll have it for a special day in November. Really? Bringing up the election, the presidential election, while thousands of people are dying every day While Fauci has told us that we will probably double the deaths from 200,000 to 400,000 by the end of the year, and you're joking about that you're going to get a cure and a vaccine, which we all know that all the experts have told us, it will take months, even after they've developed a vaccine, in order to get it out and to have general immunity. So let's be very clear. The president of the United States has failed, 65 to 35. Every poll across this country has said the president has done a bad job. Sixty five percent of the American people, that's Democrats and Republicans, have said he's done a bad job. And God, just yesterday he was in Nevada. But please, Andrea, look at the tape. Those that were standing behind the president all have masks because he knows it's a deadly virus. Those in the crowd, no mask because they represent no threat to the president of the United States. Shame on Donald Trump.
1: And Andrea, with respect to the vaccine, uh, we know that Pfizer has already announced that they're going to have a, an answer for us by the end of October, and they're looking at like a sixty percent probability that their their uh, vaccine works. And they already have uh, thirty to forty thousand folks who are already on on the vaccine and have actually already created vaccines at a high level just in case it's ready to go. So th- there is an accelerated pace for the vaccines now. Um, you're talking about, I-, I think the the, the The politicization, look, it is crystal clear that both sides have used this virus to try to gain political points. If you're telling me that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer have been indifferent, you know, politically to what what is going on, give me a break. And Joe Biden himself has also made speeches. Look, I, 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 I will stipulate that Republicans have also... Uh, been very political about the situation. And and, and I think it's a darn shame that both sides uh, uh, or anyone would use this situation uh, to to politicize instead of bringing the country together, uniting and reaching some kind of consensus on what are the solutions and the remedies like uh, the the vaccines and and the kind of guidance that we're going to need to mitigate the contagion of this uh, terrible, terrible virus.
2: Daniel, but I think we can agree that we should follow the science and we should follow the scientists. You just spoke about how the president of the United States is is working with Fauci, right? Here's what Fauci breaks, said just in, and, and but here's here's what Fauci just said. He is the chief inspection, right specialist on infectious diseases. He's been there for 30 years. Here's what he said, Daniel. He said that maybe by next fall, by the end of next year, the pandemic will be under control in the United States, even if we get a vaccine sometime this year. And Daniel, why so much focus on the end of October? Doesn't it seem curious that there's an election in which the president has been failing, at least among the American people, to really counteract COVID-19? And now he's talking for a way out. Let's just leave the dates out. Let the science bring us the cure. Agree.
0: Well, thank you, Luis and Dan. That was our time. And this, I, I always enjoy talking to you guys, so thank you for this wonderful debate.
2: Oh, it was a pleasure. Yeah. It's a pleasure, but I'm going to have to give Danielle 30 seconds extra the next time. Because I...
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I appreciate Thanks, that, congressman. Uh, Gentlemen, thank, thank you to both.
0: Today we have the opportunity to speak with Mercedes Schlapp, the Hispanic spokesperson for the Trump campaign and a first-generation Cuban-American. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us, Mercedes. You have insights to... How important it is for the Latino vote for Trump's re-election.
3: The Latino vote is incredibly important to the presidential uh, campaign. We have spent a lot of time investing resources in targeted uh, markets to talk directly to the Latino community. I mean, we've. This is something I've been in Republican politics for a long time, and it's really the first time I've seen a campaign uh, spend a lot of time and and, and effort in in really talking to the Latino community about what the president has been able to accomplish and why Joe Biden would be a bad choice for Latinos. We've been able to open up 16 Latinos for Trump community centers uh, in these targeted markets. This is a place for Latinos to come together. They're the grassroots uh, folks who are knocking on doors, uh, making phone calls, and very much an active part of the campaign, which we feel very strongly Uh, that we, you know, that we want to make sure that they are involved and they feel part of the Trump family. Ronald Reagan once said that Hispanics
0: are already Republican, that we just don't know it. So do you believe that stands true and why?
3: Well, I've always been Republican, so I've always known it. But it's our job that I the one thing I find really interesting is traveling across the country is I've met actually former Democrats or Democrats or independents who say, I'm not Republican, but I support Donald Trump. And they give me the reasons why. Many times it's school choice. Many times it's because they uh, have a private health insurance and they're worried that they're gonna get cut out because the Democrats and Joe Biden and Kamala wanna move towards socialized medicine. You know, I've spoken to those individuals um, like Maximo um, Alvarez who was on the stage at the Republican National Convention Talking about the fears of really moving towards a socialist country and how we can't afford to do that. The problem has become is that the far left is really trying to silence many of us who um, you know believe a certain way, or they try to you know go after us because we you know we we believe in religious liberties, or we don't believe that you should abort a baby late-term abortion, which is where the Democrats have gone. They've gone so extreme on so many issues. And when they're talking about things like abolish the police, or they talk about not including under God in the Pledge of Allegiance, which was part of the Democrat National Convention daytime programming, that just doesn't work for for a lot of the Latinos that I've spoken to who might not be Republicans, but they're saying my Democrat party is going too far and I just can't go in that direction.
0: Mercedes, before we go, if you can give one message to young Latinos voting in the upcoming elections, what would it be?
3: If you love this country, if you believe in freedom, if you believe in opportunity, then President Trump is your candidate. He's the one who has been fighting every day to ensure that our country is built on a strong economy. He's fighting every day so that students can have a choice of where they can go to school. And that is where we are in America. This is about saving the American dream. And our concern is, is that a Joe Biden is so weak that he will just placate and support the far left agenda of his party uh, instead of doing what's right for America. And so, you know, knowing who I've spent with, with the time with the president, the president has really worked hard to ensure that we can maintain a strong country where we can live our American dreams freely and not be burdened by a government uh, that would make decisions for us. This was Ladnicky's Debate. Remember
0: to text Votamos or Ladnicky's to 52886 to register to vote or verify that you have registered. You can also follow Ladnicky's on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Ladnicky's or learn more at weareladnicky's.com. This was our fifth episode of Ladnicky's Debate. I'll be seeing you again next week.